Welcome to Season 4 of Paychecks Pulse, an HR podcast where HR professionals can find great insights on today's top issues and be inspired to build and lead effective teams in a healthier workplace. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Paychecks Pulse podcast. Rob Parsons here. We're joined again by Christophe Martel, CEO and founder of Fount, an organization that focuses on helping companies improve employee experience. Huge topic, we all know. Today, we're going to dig into hyper-focused friction management and the positive impact that can have on your organization. Christoph, welcome back to the podcast. Good morning. Good morning, Rob. And thanks for having me. Oh, it's a, it's a pleasure. You know, we had a great conversation a few months back about employee experience. Just in general, a very high-level view. We were talking about your research report, some of the things I saw at HR Tech. Uh, to level set for those that didn't catch that episode, what does it mean when you talk about EX, when you talk about employee experience? Uh, uh, so experience is really just uh, the, the, the employee perspective on their life at work, right? Uh, just like um, the human experience is uh, our own perspective on our life in general. Um, and... Uh, it turns out that that life at work is really, really complex. Um, lots of things happening, happening, uh, lots of activities in the space of an eight-hour window, and not often more. Um, and uh, just very complex environments uh, for people to interact with. Uh, so, if you think about you know typical customer experiences that we know of, like I don't know. Um, you know, bu buying a pizza from the pizza shop next door, it is, uh, you know, not that complicated and it is a pretty linear experience. If you contrast that to what happens in a whole day of work for, let's say, a, um, a nurse or uh, a call center agent or, or just a, um, a developer, you, you end up interacting with hundreds, if not thousands of, uh, of touch points that are either physical, digital, or, or human uh, across a day. And uh, that complexity is what makes employee experience difficult to understand. It's a lot easier to understand what happens between you and your pizza than between you and your work. Um, so that is employee experience. It is important because uh, when people have a good experience at work, two things happen. Number one, they perform better simply because there's just less friction in their day-to-day -day work. Uh, and also, uh, they stay longer. Um, and that means that uh, a turnover goes down, which is a good thing for companies. So, um, so that's the, 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 that's the, 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 the topic for the day. Um, and uh, it is a, a problem that company a problem. It is a field that companies are discovering uh, and realize that, um, uh, you know, uh, traditional approaches to, uh, you know, human resources management, um, end up missing the mark somewhat on, um, on how to manage employee experience, uh, in particular, uh, understanding and improving, uh, these, these hundreds, thousands of interactions that people have at work. Uh, how do you do that with all that complexity of stuff happening? Uh, and that's uh, that's the game. And and you know when we talked last time, it really was eye opening to me 
it's not an experience. It's the the combination of hundreds of thousands of discrete experiences and it, it, and they add up and all it takes is a couple bad ones to wreck the whole the whole show and, and I loved I loved how you used the word friction um to describe those hurdles describe those points that are troublesome uh you know like gears that aren't clicking together correct me um tell me more about friction and what it's really what is it really costing companies? Good. So, yeah, uh, but when, when uh, you know the term employee experience, and I think we went into this last time, uh, tends to uh, tends to describe the aggregate experience that people have uh, with their company overall uh, for the amount of time that they've worked with that company, and that's uh, that's a, a useful thing to understand. But where that experience is created is actually in the, almost the uh, the crucible of day-to-day -day interactions, and in these interactions, all kinds of things happen. They're they're very rich, right? So if you think about, for example, uh, an individual trying to find a new internal role at the company, uh, the you know the interaction is likely to. Um, uh, to encompass uh, things that have to do with the manager, with the career framework, with the internal recruitment process and all kinds of things. Um, and the question there is, what gets in my way? So when I try to go and find that new internal role, um, all of these things are supposed to work, but <laughs> often they don't. Uh, and often when you combine them, they really don't. Um, so friction is uh, really what, um, uh, in, in, in particular, what we call work friction, right? So the, you know, there's a kind of, a, uh, you know, like, pro for example, process friction that exists in companies, where, you know, for pro when processes are not efficient uh, is one thing. Work friction is actually the friction that employees experience, right? So when I do X, what gets in my way that shouldn't be there? Um, so... Work friction really has two economic impacts on companies. Um, the first one is that it makes people less productive. Um, and actually, there was a study from Gartner uh, that uh, that calculated that uh, uh, work friction costs, on average, about two hours a day to an average employee at a company today in the United States. Right, two hours a day. If you uh, calculate that in, uh, you know, for an average Fortune 500 company, uh, is about 500 million a year of wasted. It's essentially wasted work, right? I'm uh, if I'm the a shareholder, I'm people. I'm paying employees to work, and wasting 500 million <laughs> because they're dealing with nonsense. That feels like low hanging fruit, to be honest. To go after. Um, so that is the first, um, uh, the first very immediate impact. If you are able to reduce work friction, it can never go away entirely. But if you can reduce it, uh, you immediately make people more productive. They perform better. Uh, and guess what? Most individuals actually um, aspire to performance, right? So yeah. people. Yeah. I don't wake up in the morning saying, I'm going to do a bad job at work today. Exactly. So most people show up saying, I'm, I'm going to try to do my best. Uh, if only you stop getting in my way, that would be helpful. Um, and uh, so the, the second uh, uh, you know, financial impact 
uh, is on turnover rates, right? And uh, so on average, on average, and it's hard to attribute it 100% to friction, but um, uh, it's anywhere from two to 500 million a year in in annual turnover uh, reduction in financial value of that turnover reduction uh, for an average uh, F500. And for some companies that have very high attrition rates or some businesses within companies that have very high attrition rates, uh, that that figure can be much higher. So I want to I want to get practical here, if you don't mind, dig in a little bit. Mm-hmm. You did you didn't just call it friction management. You call it hyper focused friction management. What do you mean by that? And how do I how do I put that in place? How do I you know it's it's nice to talk about. How do I make that happen? What are you talking about there? Yeah. So uh, the. Uh, uh, actually, one of our customers described work friction as that that, that huge bear or, or elephant that is just sitting in the living room and um, that no one knows how to deal with. And uh, so everyone just leaves it there. Uh, and so th- that big, big problem, because everyone knows it's a big problem, no one knows how to approach it. Uh, and I would hate to do that to a bear or to an elephant. Uh, but how you approach that kind of thing is by breaking it down. Uh, and to break it down, you essentially uh, need data to be able to identify what are the uh, most important causes of friction for employees. What is it that they see that is really getting in their way? Uh, what is causing it? Uh, and you know, there's uh, uh, hundreds of culprits. And in, in smaller companies, it may be dozens of culprits. Um, and just start with the first two or three and go and have an impact on them. Uh, and so what's beautiful about this, uh, this approach is that it is not about solving it because as I mentioned earlier, friction can never entirely go away, right? That's just like entropy. It never really goes away, but you can really reduce it and manage it. Um, and, you know, reducing friction for one particular activity that people do. Um, you know, one example we had from uh, one of our customers was, you know, in a warehouse where there was just not enough light for people to be able to do their job right. There's an example of, well, actually make the light work better so that people can see what they're doing. Uh, it, it, now, it's not perfect. It doesn't solve it all, but it, it makes things better. And the second example, um, if you're <clears throat> if the way shifts are managed, uh, in uh, you know, in a, a, a retail environment, is really a problem for uh, employees. It's not working for them based on what they have to do in their life. Again, make that simpler, f- fairer, and these are things that actually um, are owned, of course, by the business, but also by HR. Right, and HR has a role to, particularly HR business partners, for so people that are aligned with the business. Uh, to be the voice of employees for these things. But what HR business partners don't have is data that tells everyone and puts everyone on the same page as to those things that are creating friction for everyone and how important these things are. Um, it's, it's, you, you, you got to what my next question was and you, you've been touching on it. How can an HR pro really and a business partner help with this? And, and you've got... I've got a lot going through my mind right now. One is that it's so interesting, just like you talked about the experience is hundreds mm-hmm. of tiny things altogether. You don't just fix experience. You've got to think about all of the things. 
you've also made it very clear that friction is the same way. It's not just I fix friction. Mm -hmm. You've got to determine these things. Um, and I want to I want to touch on that HR role a couple ways. First, let's start with this idea of data with understanding where I can get the most bang for my buck, as it were. Yep. You know, we talk a lot about employee communications, survey instruments, feedback mechanisms, technology tools to help with that. Mm -hmm. That really is the domain of HR, isn't it? And and you talked about it being the advocate for the employee and 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 bringing that back to the business. Here's where you can really make a difference if you can do A, B, and C. You don't have to do the entire alphabet right now, but if we could just do A, B, and C, we can really have an impact. That's right. So I I, uh, I, I spent most of my career as a business leader um, before moving to HR. And as a business leader, all I wanted to know was what do I need to fix to help my people perform better um, and stay longer. Like that's just tell me HR, please. Uh, right. And often uh, the the message is a little bit muddled um, because most tools out there are very good at uh, telling um, you know, HR and the business how people feel. Right. And that's actually quite useful because then you can uh, address those feelings and uh, and try to essentially make people feel better about their employment at the company. Um, the data that you need to manage friction is not data about people. It's actually data about the environment in which they work and what, how that in, environment constrains their work or you know, works for them or not. Uh, so uh, the, you know, HR as, as a, as a, as a world is actually very right, rightfully so focused on, on people, uh, but actually needs to build that uh, capability to not only understand people, but understand the environment in which they operate. And that environment is that very complex ecosystem of uh, human physical and digital things that they interact with constantly. And that is, you know, friction comes from contact between an employee and a thing in the company. When that contact is smooth and, uh, and frictionless, then great. But often it's not. And once you get a map of what, uh, uh, you know, uh, what what are the main offenders and the things that really matter, just like the light or the shift or whatever, all these things, uh, then you can actually act on it and maybe not solve it forever, but make it a little bit better, even 10% better, right? So there's a notion of uh, iterating your way to uh, like a, a continuous into a continuous improvement loop to make the environment in which people operate better. Um, and uh, you can start with just one thing, and that's the beauty of it, uh, yes. that you don't have to try to fix everything all at once forever with a perfectly elegant solution. It's just lots of small things that actually will improve friction over time. And you can, these can be meaningful, tangible things uh, employees can see that you are you're making the effort. Absolutely. You're not and just you've seen talking. It in our, our data. What's, what's interesting is that when you approach the question in that way, you know, this whole notion of survey fatigue is, um, you know, people don't, you know, uh, like to tell a company how they feel about it. Uh, but once, you know, once we've been, you've been asked, it's like, okay, just back off already. Um, yeah. uh, however, if uh, you tell them that you want them to point to things that are getting in their way at work, 
uh, they're usually very happy to respond to surveys because they, uh, as long as the company holds its part of the bargain, which is to go do something about that feedback, which uh, actually turns out that they can do because it's not about doing something about the employee. It's about doing something about the things that they control, processes, policies, tools, et cetera, et cetera. Then it's a, actually a good bargain for both employees and employers uh, to say, yeah, we're going to, we're, we're together, we're going to make this environment better, right? And this, uh, this term that we're using internally of uh, friction fighters, uh, right? So uh, whether it's uh, um, people in HR or in, uh, uh, you know, business leaders, IT, whoever contributes to that environment, working together with employees who are involved in this effort to reduce friction, work friction, um, that's what we call friction fighters, and it's actually a common cause for both the you know, shareholders and employees, uh, which is rare enough to be mentioned. Yes, for certain. <laughs> um, the second point I want to touch on with HR, it was something you mentioned earlier, and it isn't just doing my job, but it's being at work, looking for that promotion, looking for a training, looking for whatever it may be. HR is a whole nother layer that I'm interacting with at the company. And HR can, by, by accident, create its own friction, which isn't necessarily how I'm doing my job, but how I am experiencing your company. Yep. I'm experiencing the, 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 my life at your company. Yep. Um, tell me a little bit about HR teams and some of the things they're doing, how they have to maybe think about it a little differently, not just a bolt on, but think about what they're doing to be a part of the employee experience. Well, they are what they're doing to make it uh, better or worse. Yeah, I, I uh, maybe the, the best example I could think about uh, for, for to highlight to to um, um, illustrate this uh, is uh, an HR very senior executive in a very um, very large, very successful, famous company in the United States um, uh, told me I designed the parental leave process uh, and it was perfect. And then I had two kids and it was horrible. So that's it. And so HR is typically expert at designing flawless processes uh, that actually seen from the top work perfectly well. However, when individuals uh, consume these processes that usually are not uh, single processes. You always consume processes and policies and all kinds of things all at the same time. That cocktail is really what ne doesn't necessarily work for people. Uh, so, w w what uh, it, it, you know, how HR can can pivot essentially is to try to understand what creates friction for for employees. And by the way, when you ask employees what creates for them, friction for them, the answer that you get is always very different than what HR thinks the answer is. Uh, and simply because HR doesn't experience these things. And to be able to see the friction, you need to experience it. Uh, so as we, uh, we say at, at Fount, like, uh, uh, people who do the work uh, are in the best place to know work friction and to identify it. Uh, so that's the first thing that HR can do is to uh, spend more time understanding that perspective rather than, uh, you know, perfecting their, 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 um, their process design uh, skills. Um, the, the second thing 
is actually when resolving uh, these points of friction that you identify uh, is to, again, not use the traditional tools that HR typically use, uh, which is, okay, now we understand there's a problem there. We are going to redesign the process and we're going to go on top of the mountain, think about the perfect solution, and then come back down and it will rain back down on, on our people and it will work. And then we'll get feedback on how it works. Actually, things need to be, uh, unless they're really uh, very basic fixes, need to be co-created. And what that means is that employees um, you know, should be part of building the solution with HR as an orchestrator or facilitator. Um, and you know, one example that uh, that I want to give from actually a, 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 a small company um, was, you know, new hire attrition happening because these new hires had a hard time doing the work that had been designed by people that had been in the company for ten years, right? So right. people that knew perfectly how to do the work created the workflow, and you had these new hires coming in and saying, I can't do this, it's too hard for me, and therefore I can't perform, therefore I'm going to leave. Um, to fix that, actually, the uh, and this was a, actually a, a logistics company, um, and to fix that, what the company and the HR team asked the in, in, uh, employees to do was to take new hires that had been there for two months and said, okay, so to navigate this warehouse, how would you want it to be? Like, how should it work? How should the warehouse be? And they all came up with a solution that made it a lot more simple for them to, to navigate it. And actually, even the guys that had been there for 10 years, like, you know what, <laughs> actually kind of makes sense. Uh, because over time, they built DNA to accommodate complexity, essentially. Um, yes. So the, the, the notion of co-creation is really important, is that if you want to fix problems that people see, uh, you actually have to involve them in the solving of those problems to get to the best possible outcomes. Um, so, and that is, uh, that, that, that truth is valid for um, small or big companies. Um, and when you get employees in that place where they can not only contribute to identifying what gets in their way and pointing to it and giving you data about it, and number two, to be a part of the solution, that's a very virtuous circle to get things better and to make their work just easier, faster, um, which is what everyone wants. I love it. That's a that's a great way to, to close this out, Christoph. Thank you so much for joining the podcast. Yeah, thank you. It was a pleasure. Good to see you. It was, it was great. And I just love hearing that that real practical advice about <laughs> improving the employee experience. You know, just get the right perspective and co-create the solution. It's just really, it sounds simple. Um, and it probably is once you dig into to bite-sized pieces that you can actually tackle. Absolutely. Thank you. Fantastic. Thank you again, Christoph. Be sure to subscribe to this and our Paychecks Thrive Business Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Looking for more ways to keep your finger on the pulse of industry dynamics? Visit our resource center for the latest research, thought leadership, and news at paychecks.com slash works. That's W-O-R-X. Thanks again for joining us. Until next time, please stay happy and healthy. This podcast is property of Paychecks Incorporated 2023. All rights reserved.